What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me today is the man who finally gets to work on his trailer, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. Yes, I cannot wait. Yeah, we, we uh, purchased this trailer during COVID and we traveled quite a bit during COVID. And then when COVID kind of let go, we haven't traveled in, what, seven months in the trailer. So I'm so excited to go and un- unravel it because it's wrapped in a, in a nice protective cover. And I put it back on the road. But little do we know that we'd be not only going on the road to visit our kids in, in the near future, but we're going to be dropping it off for their sustenance. <laughs> or what would you say? For their, uh, for their dwelling for the right. next uh, uh, three weeks following that. So It's those things that you think you are getting that are just for your enjoyment, our ability to drive and see the world and do camping in a manner that I can handle uh, by having the amenities of electricity and a shower and everything like that. Uh, But then God, almost as if by plan, right? (laughs) He says, you know, that there are, are other uses that you can help. And so our son and daughter are going to be using that for a few weeks while they transition from one apartment to their next apartment. They're in a college town. So their dates of a move out versus move in didn't exactly work out. So we're going to be able to help them once again, move. It's our favorite thing to do. Apparently we've helped quite a few people move over the years. But you know, this time I did make a qualification of my son-in-law who I love tremendously. And I would I would lift the refrigerator out of the kitchen for him, but my back <laughs> says, no, you won't. So I told him, I said, now at my age, I can't, uh, I can't be as uh, exuberant about moving things. So you're going to need to get some buddies to come and help you. And I'll, I'll help guide you guys, but I'm not going to lift heavy things and remind me of that when we do finally arrive there uh, here in the near future to uh, not pick up the edge of the couch or the corner of the table or whatever else we're going to be moving. That's a very difficult uh, thing I know for you to be able to admit that you can't lift and do those things that you once did when you were younger. I, on the other hand, I have no problem in, in letting other people take care of the hard work. But I think for me, something equal to that is, you know, letting people come into my space, perhaps where I'm doing cooking and say, you know, mom, you sit down, let me uh, let me let me fix that. I can cook that. And, and, and you realize that. Well, well, wait a second here. This is something that I've always done. So it is good, though. We have the wisdom, perhaps a gift that we've received at confirmation to know our limitations. And it's important to also understand that other people have to step in and help you. And yeah, we're not always going to be able to do all the things that we want to do. We had we had helped move out a parish staff member who was moving back east and we, uh, we had a group of us and I was helping with them and we lifted all kinds of stuff and got everything loaded up and I'd thrown my back out. This is probably um, almost a year ago now. And uh, my back is doing great now. So I guess the wisdom is that I know what my back feels like when it's way out, which it went way, way out. Uh, and what it feels like when it's in a good place. And right now it's in a good place that I don't want. I, I'm not going to inadvertently jeopardize it by uh, trying to be macho man and lift the uh, the kitchen sink out of their old apartment. 
I guess we'll just look at it as another opportunity God has given us to be humble and to ask for help. You know, both you and I work full time in our careers. I, of course, you know, here on the radio station, you're still a federal employee. We are full time working parents. We still have children at home. You know, being able to be humble, being able to recognize our limitations in all things, and that includes our work. It, it can be difficult at times to, uh, yeah, just recognize, you know, perhaps I'm not doing it as well as I could. You feel maybe a little rejected when your project doesn't turn out quite like it does. But again, these are all areas for us to grow. I have a great article that I found today, in fact, for our show today. We don't have a special guest, but Alatea.org put together this article. I thought it's really excellent because I think both you and I have experienced this and it's taking criticism or rejection and not letting it kind of get under your skin and and being able to rely on our faith and God to help us grow when we hear these things. So we're going to talk today about five tips for not taking criticism or rejection too hard. So stay with us. we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Please join Mater Day Radio and Carmelite priest Father Christopher LaRocca as he prays the soul of Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, heal me. Blood of Christ, drench me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. In your wounds, shelter me. From turning away, keep me. From the evil one, protect me. At the hour of my death, call me. Into your presence, lead me. To praise you with all your saints, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more prayer resources, and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit MatraDayRadio.com. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Aloha. This is Bear Wozniak with Deep Virtue number 67. You know, one day I decided I'd go for a little bit of a bicycle ride. I got on my bicycle in San Diego, California, pedaled over the coastal mountains, down into the desert, across Texas, and all the way to Jacksonville, Florida. You know how you uh, make a bicycle uh, trip like that? You make it one pedal stroke at a time. Well, I'm going to say the truth. When I went over the coastal mountains, I had to get off my bicycle and, and walk for a ways. But you take it one step at a time. I remember going over the coastal mountains and then across the desert in record-breaking heat. It was so hot that I had to pedal my bicycle only at night because the pavement would stick to my tires. And I remember going over the Continental Divide and then cruising down in the El Paso, Texas, and just thinking, this is awesome. And then a new freeway I was pedaling along across uh, Texas. And then I got to a place around Van Horn, Texas. And for one thing, there's a bunch of like cannibalistic grasshoppers that kept hitting each, eating each other. And I couldn't avoid them. I had to pedal around them. And eventually I just couldn't avoid them. I just pedaled through them. But then I noticed a wind come up and then it got windier. It got so windy that I had to pedal hard just to go downhill. Turns out it was Tropical Storm Allison. I had to fight that tropical storm for about six or seven days. Big detours because all of Texas became a lake. But I finally made it to Jacksonville, Florida. You know how you do that? You do it one pedal stroke 
at a time. That's how you do it. Right now, you may be facing adversity in your life. You're going to get through this. It's a lesson that God's developing the virtue of fortitude in you. You do this by keeping your eyes on Jesus, uh, maybe saying one Hail Mary at a time as you face day by day. As certainly as you're going in to this desert, you are also on your way out the other side. Don't think about uh, the goal so much as just think about moment by moment, taking a deep breath and receiving the Holy Spirit and continuing to move on. This is Bear Wozniak with DeepAdventure.com. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Find out more at DeepAdventure.com. Make it a summer of prayer with Day Radio and the Hail Mary Media app. As the summer heats up, your spiritual life shouldn't cool off. Day Radio is here to raise the thermostat on your faith with our free daily broadcast of the Celebration of the Holy Mass, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, the Sacred Mysteries of Christ and Our Lady in the Holy Rosary, and a variety of insightful spiritual reflections. Have a more specific prayer request? Why not share it with our powerful prayer team on Day Radio's Prayer Hotline? Just click the pray button on the Hail Mary Media app and matradayradio.com or make a call to the prayer hotline at 503-285-3737. That's 503-285-3737. Heat up your faith life and make it a summer of prayer with the Hail Mary Media app and Matraday Radio. Leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary all summer long. Family life can be hectic, but God can be found right in the middle of it. So take a moment for this week's View from the Pew. And welcome back to this week's View from the Pew. All right, Scott, so you just got back from a big trip, an annual trip that you do where Native American students around the country come together for this leadership Congress and they come together and they do classes and projects together. They have a little bit of fun, but you all work really hard on these things. And sometimes they work out really well. And sometimes, well, a project or an idea doesn't quite hit the mark. And it feels terrible when that's pointed out, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, every night during the Congress we have as leadership, um, there's a leadership team of adults and there's a leadership team of junior faculty. We gather together and just kind of have a debrief of the day. And, and it's also an opportunity to hear some constructive criticism. And sometimes the constructive criticism may actually begin to be taken personally by some of the people who've invested their heart and soul into what's uh, the activities of the day. So I find myself really feeling that because I'm such an person who's recognizing the people's emotions that some of my team was, was really reeling from that. So how do you um, try and lead that discussion towards a constructive uh, place? I think we all need constructive criticism in our lives, but it's when self-righteous criticism kind of comes forward and people get really emotional behind their critique that it ends up you know, harming others. So I remember when we were kids, you know, you'd be told, well, don't do this or, or do that. Or, you know, we'd take criticism, I think, pretty comfortably as kids. But as adults, we feel like when we're critiqued, we're being taken back to that moment when we were seven years old and we were being told, no, you shouldn't touch that or no, you did that wrong. And I think that a part of our experience of growing into adulthood is recognizing that uh, limitations are going to come in our life. Criticisms will happen. But humility is going to win the day. And I think saints point to that constantly. 
Well, this is a great article found on Alatea.org. And Marzena DeVode, she put together this list and these ideas that, yeah, we all, I think, go through from time to time. But how do we take criticism? And I think even God, not that God criticizes us, but he wants us to grow. I, I, I believe that life is a constant and daily opportunity to grow, to grow as people, as parents, as individuals, and to grow in our faith. And so she has a few tips, I think, that we can all kind of look at and go, all right, I I think that I understand what she is saying here. So, Scott, I thought we'd run through this list, and we'll talk a little bit about how we've experienced this and how maybe God uses that idea to help us become better people. So the first item that she says on this list is first, try not to exaggerate the criticism. She says, perhaps your boss has rejected your idea or even criticized it. There's no reason to feel judged as though you're a bad employee. She says, just tell yourself that in this particular situation, your point of view and your boss's is different. That's hard one to admit. Don't exaggerate the criticism. Just accept it for what it is. And the need for the third person, I, I always, I always stress that to people I talk with, especially in spiritual direction, when people are trying to overcome limitations, that when we become unmerciful, we're most unmerciful, typically to ourselves. Uh, we might be willing to show mercy to others, but to ourselves, we, we may not be. So our third person is our ability to tell ourselves, knock it off. You know, you are a created child of God who has been given the gifts of the Holy Spirit you have the potential within you to do the good, even though right now you're wallowing and maybe even enjoying wallowing in the bad, let go of it. And it takes a third person voice or our third person voice to oftentimes get us back on track. And I can't imagine, you know, I think of always think of St. Peter when he's just headstrong on protecting Jesus and Jesus tells him, get behind me, Satan, calling out within Peter, his own weakness that can be controlled and influenced by evil. And what Peter became is this afraid, scared, self-righteous person who says, you're not going to die in in Jerusalem. I'm going to do whatever I can to protect you. You know, it's that kind of headstrongness that we all can be drawn into, particularly when we're criticized. And I think when, when you and I, I think this is a great outgrowth of marriage, it's part of the effect of marriage, is that we learn to lead each other in our lives with criticism at times, but learn not to take it so personally. When you, when mm. you correct me, I think of a thousand things that have happened in my life when I was a kid or I was a young adult, and maybe some of that comes rushing in at the moment that you make that critique, and I take all that and say, oh my gosh, I have this flashback. Well, I need to tell myself, no, 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 she's just critiquing me on this right. one piece, not don't it get, don't make it bigger than it is and and listen and, and try to be open. Of course, we do that, you know, kind of on a regular basis. We talk about our morning blend show and the things that aren't quite going right and uh, things that are working right. You know, we're on the air every morning here and boy, there's a lot of opportunity to grow. Well, the second item on her list is she says to be kind to yourself, learn to forgive your own mistakes and imperfections. Don't be too hard on yourself. Take everything in stride. You know, we are imperfect beings so long as we are on this side of heaven, right? So we're going to make mistakes. The thing is, is you got to recognize, okay, I did that mistake. It's not a reflection of the person that I am. 
I just didn't quite hit the mark on this thing. And I'm going to try to do better next time. And to remind ourselves that the gifts are just that, they're gifts. They're not mine. They're not owned by me. They're offered by God to me. And I have the potential to make great use of those gifts, but I also have the potential to block them. And I think when people get in the, the, uh, the self-critique mode, uh, like I said, charity is oftentimes least given to ourselves. Mercy is oftentimes least given to ourselves. And I think that's the unfortunate misperception of confession, but the correct view of, of confession is to go in and just dump that, mm-hmm. literally dump that at the foot of the cross of Christ and let him take it. And for you to go back and then say to yourself, you did the good thing today. You let that go and now move forward into the gifts that the Holy Spirit has been holding for you, waiting for you to grab. On today's show, we are talking about five tips for not taking criticism or rejection too hard. It's a great article offered by Alatea.org. The author, Marzina DeVode, kind of put together a few tips and the good deacon and I were talking about some of those today. Well, Scott, the third item on the list, you touched on this just a moment ago. She says, don't take criticism personally. I got to tell you, I have a real hard time with that one because I feel like what I do on my job is exactly that being who I am. So if if I get a criticism and sometimes it might be from a listener, sometimes it's here in our kind of brainstorming sessions about how to be better. Boy, I feel like, is that a reflection of my faith? But it's not. It's just a reflection of what is getting put out there and you know, I take it hard and it's not just in work. It can be personally too. I'm the kind of person that if I find out that I've not been invited to something and I've missed out, oh, I get really <laughs> sad and upset. There must be something wrong with me. I didn't look at our friendship in the right way, but it doesn't mean any of those things. But don't take it so personally. Just recognize it's your job and we're going to do better. You know, when I was going through formation for the diaconate, one of the key Uh, reminders that one of the teachers taught us is that during our formation and during our lives for that matter, but particularly highlighted when we're in formation, because it's, it's such a challenge to our theology. It's a, it's an introspective process um, is having this uh, cognitive distortion creep Mm. into our lives and cognitive distortion, meaning our minds think about dwell upon um, react to criticisms, limitations, and we begin to create a bigger uh, impact from them than they should be. So to your point, cognitive distortion, we will spin on something. If somebody critiques us, how many times has someone laid in bed thinking, how am I going to respond to them tomorrow? I want to respond. I want to correct them. And I'm going to say something. And then you just spin on it all night, coming up with different scenarios of how you're going to respond. When in fact, that is energy that is not going to be beneficial to you nor the person. It's, it's merely giving um, yourself a, a place to wallow. And we don't need to wallow in life. That's what Christ really makes clear. It's, right. it's the hope is in him. And when we turn our attention back to him, when we step away off the path, when we get back on the path and focus on Christ, who we're to follow, then all of that worry and that cognitive distortion should fall away from, from our mind. Well, in the article, she goes on to say the next step or the fourth step in recovering from rejection is she says, seek social connection 
right after a rejection. Now, this is interesting. Here's what she says. Instead of running away into work or sleep or addictions, she says, devote yourself to your regular daily activities, even if they seem trivial compared to the sadness that you feel. She says, finding other people working on these little things, making little efforts will be small but vital in help. I think what another way that she is saying that is turn to God in that rejection because our Lord never, not a single time, will ever reject the persons that we are. And I think that, you know, God is most present in others. He, he, he takes us as the body of Christ and uses us in ways like described. I think, I think her, her point is a, is an excellent point that when we, when we feel criticized, there's a tendency to, again, wallow, to become despairing. Even if we pull people in that are like-minded to support us, we need to be careful of that. We need to be careful not to draw people in so they can just support our wallowing. We need to draw people in who can lead us out of that. And so when we're, when we're down, we need others to help us. And our, we will forever in our entire salvation history require the need of others. That is the way we're created as the body of Christ. We are created to need one another. The hand needs the foot, needs the head, needs the torso. All of that is connected. And in that beautiful aspect, we can overcome the criticism that the devil wants us to just take personally and despair and go into addictions to try and leave our frustrations and our, and our low self-esteem. Not what God's called us to. That's something that we have to use again, our third person voice to say, nope, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And I might need some help to get there. And I need to reach out to people who I know are Christian believers who trust in the Lord. And I need their trust right now to help me. Well, and that is the final step in helping overcome rejection is they, she says, to cultivate a broad social network. And I think also for us, that social network within our church, that we have a great group of friends, that group of friends, especially for you and I, and you as a deacon, that they they are our group of friends that see us beyond you being a deacon and me on the radio. It's just, they are a group of friends that just accept us and are with us and enjoy each other's company. Those are those connections, I think, that that God helps create for us on earth, that they're meant to lift us up. They're meant to be there for us when things are good. They are celebrating with us. And when things are, are difficult, when we've been rejected, things didn't go the way we thought, well, those are the friends that say, come on over. Let us lift you up. We'll support you through this. And then they're also there to remind us that, well, it will be better tomorrow, right? This is not what you were meant to be, obviously, because you would have gotten this. So God has things even greater in store for you. You know, we have a a great group of friends through our church, people that we have been through in births and, and deaths and things like that. Well, you know, for me, it was that circle of friends that actually led me to the radio station at a time when I thought, what am I doing? I was between jobs. I didn't know where God was leading me. And sitting in church one day, that social network of friends, well, he came to me and said, I think that this is for you. And he was right. And at the time when I I was between jobs, I had no idea what God wanted me to do. I didn't know why he was putting me through this. Well, four years now on the radio station, I know exactly why 
I didn't have that job because I was meant for something different. And when it fits, boy, you can see God's hand in it every single time. Yeah, I think that, you know, it just reminds me of what I've shared with our listeners in the past that a, a good priest friend of mine said that the biggest decisions that you make in life are made by someone else. That's right. And it's that connectedness that reminds us that in heaven, we will not be alone. We will be immensely in the crowd. Thanks be to God. But there's a sense on earth of having to deal with these separations at different levels. But our faith leads us to connect, connect, connect. And I think when we're dealing with um, criticisms and in our own self-esteem issues, we need to connect with people who will uplift us, people who will challenge us, but people who we respect. And that respect comes authentically from a lived experience and a spoken word of someone who is connected in their faith. You know, that that's oftentimes when you hear people um, in the Bible who are just amazed at Christ's words, it's the authenticity that he uses. And the, and the disciples mirrored that in their presentation of the good news. It was their authenticity. So we need to always be authentic, but to do so in a way that connects to that tremendous love that Christ pours out. So when Christ criticizes Peter, when he connects him back to the reality he's supposed to live in, Peter comes to a place of, of great change because he has respect for the, uh, this authentic word that Christ is giving him. So when he asks Peter, at, after he's rejected him three times and he asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He gives Peter the, the opportunity to receive the mercy that God wants to pour on him that you're okay. You have all the gifts that I've given you and you will do great things with those gifts. Just follow me. Well, I know that it can be difficult. I know many people on the job hunt trying to wait and be patient for that right fit. Well, just remember every rejection just means God is leading you to that one thing that you should be doing today. Scott, will you end us in prayer? Yes. Lord, we thank you for your great mercy and your great love for us. Help us to trust that always. Lean into it in times of need to trust you that we will be led to where you call us to do the work that you have given us responsibility to do. We thank you for this day that we can focus on this. Help us to be merciful to ourselves as we receive the necessary criticisms and some of the unnecessary criticisms in this life, but let it always be rooted in hope in you. We ask this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless. Have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.